Okay, I'm a provincial politician ignoring the number of people who are saying conversion therapy practices are going on in the province as we speak. I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm a federal leader who's too scared to go to a pride parade because I hear it's contagious. Robbie Krieger-Smith. <laughs> So what's the title of today's episode? The title of today's episode is Born This Way. Born This Way. Ah, so for those who have not figured out, um, we are going to be talking about conversion therapy today. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of set up this agenda to, uh, to, to kind of work around Doug Schweitzer, who of course is the Justice Minister, in Alberta, he wrote a letter to the federal Just justice minister, um, David Lametti. And within that, I, I found some issues within that letter. And I remember actually, Robbie, when you first saw it, you said it was good. It, uh, it addressed things the way that it should. You thought that, that it was, you know, a well-written letter. Overall, I think it's probably the most unequivocal statement by anybody in the UCP as it relates to any gay issue. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, reading it, you can definitely see that it's crafted in legalese and that there is space for interpretation where potentially there's room for people to see that they don't actually support a fallout ban or aren't fully opposed to conversion therapy, but we'll get into that as we go through the letter. Yeah. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read pieces of Schweitzer's letter, and then we're going to get into the topics that we had already figured out. Uh, it just so happened that as we were looking at the topics we were going to address, I found a way to stick them into the letter. So, um, I so guess. before before oh. we get into this, one thing I do want to point out is that uh, this letter from Doug Schweitzer, who is the Alberta Justice Minister and Attorney General, is a response to a letter that was sent out by the Federal Justice Minister David Lumetti, Federal Health Minister Jeanette Petipa-Taylor, and the LGBTQ2 advisor to the Prime Minister Edmonton Centre MP Randy Boissonneau. And one of the issues that they're trying to make for the federal election is whether or not the various parties support the LGBTQ2 community. And this letter is kind of setting the stage for that conflict between them and the federal conservative party. Right. So this is Doug Schweitzer's response to that letter, which was sent to all the federal, uh, all the provincial justice ministers rather. Okay. And actually let's talk about that briefly because um, I just remembered that, that yeah, there's, there's a couple of things in there that we, I guess, would like to address. And so that letter was sent, how long ago was that? Uh, it was sent on June 21st, 2019. So on the first day of summer, my fifth wedding anniversary. <laughs> yes. Oh, Robbie. Um, so the, 
Now, Ottawa rejected a nationwide ban. Did they talk about why they had done so? We're kind of jumping ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm thinking if we if we talk about because this happened first. This was before um, Schweitzer responded, right? Yep. This was before. So I'm kind of thinking that maybe we should talk about it first because okay. it, it sort of started uh, stuff. Yeah, sounds good. So we'll obviously have to chop all this out. But um, <laughs> yeah, so a federal petition was delivered and it was organized by a fellow by the name of Devin Hargreaves, who is an LGBTQ2 activist in Lethbridge, Alberta. He ran in the provincial election for the provincial Liberal Party and he has been working to try and get conversion therapy banned federally. Currently, there's a patchwork of regulations and bans across the country. Um, Ontario has the most stringent ban, which is a complete and outright ban against the practice. But um, in other provinces, Nova Scotia, um, just going off the top of my head, I believe it's Nova Scotia has a ban on youth having conversion therapy. Okay. Um, and British Columbia also has a ban, and I believe it's Manitoba. Okay. Um, so the, there are a number of bans in place, um, but the how restrictive they are and whether or not they're a complete and outright ban, Ontario is kind of the gold standard at this point. Um, and for those who don't know, conversion therapy is basically the premise that you can take a person and put them through either spiritual counseling or in some cases it's actual physical um, intervention and change their sexuality. Um, there's different forms of it. Um, some of it involves counseling, uh, again, on a kind of spiritual basis to help you realize that quote unquote being gay is wrong and that it's something that you choose to do and you can repress that and choose to be straight. Um, there are cases that have occurred where people have electroshock therapy. Um, and so what will happen is they will be hooked up to uh, an electric shock system and they'll be shown pornographic images or images that are potentially arousing um, for same sex. And if they have any sort of response that would show arousal or excitement, they will get an electric shock. Um, and there are also other incidents that have been documented by people who've been put through therapy, including being hit, um, being made to be humiliated in front of uh, groups of peers who are undergoing similar therapy as well. And so basically the Canadian Psychiatric Association recognizes it as psychological torture. And there's no medical evidence that supports that you can actually change your uh, sexual orientation or gender identity. Okay, so that was hard to listen to. Um, I had, a, I actually knew that this was going to be a difficult one to go through anyways, but, uh, yeah, that was, that was tough. One of the things that, that I would like to see, um, people who are advocating for the stop or sorry, to, to outlaw these practices, 
And this is this is something that I only recently voiced, but again, you know, I have my foot in both worlds, right? I I definitely have liberal leanings, I definitely have conservative leanings, and you know, I just kind of walk around in between the two. But one of the things that I would really like to see when we're talking about conversion therapy is that of course we focus on who it's been used against. But the real fear and and the reason that people believe that this is possible to change someone's uh, sexual orientation is because they also believe that if young people are just told that it's okay to be gay, then everyone will be gay. I would like to see the narrative start to include more unequivocally that the banning of conversion therapy would also ban the conversion of straight to gay. <laughs> I know it's dumb. I know it's dumb. I know it sounds ridiculous, but but this is an actual fear that people have. They think, like you well, said, that it's contagious. Well, and I alluded to this in my silly intro, um, and I've also at politicalrnd.ca wrote a satire piece where I joke about how the gays are conducting straight conversion therapy. Um, but, you know, we're making light of a serious situation, obviously, but it, it just actually sounds that stupid when you hear it. That, right. you know, by being around a gay person that somehow you're going to catch it, right? Um, being told that it's okay is just going to convince more and more people to be gay. Yeah, totally. Um, well, one of my favorite questions I used to ask people was, when did you decide that you were straight? Yeah. And the immediate response from almost everybody is, well, I was born that way. And there <laughs> you go, right? And, um, I, and I think as well that, uh, you know, sometimes we do have humor that's in poor taste. But I'd like to quote Michael Scott here, who, upon finding out that Oscar was gay, said... Maybe someday we can hang out and you can tell me how you could do that to another dude. Um, but, <laughs> but, this is, but this is the thing, right? Is that people who are not leaning towards same-sex attraction are never going to lean towards same-sex attraction. Yeah. And I think it... But, but I, I do think that there's a possibility that more people could get on board with the banning of conversion therapy, if, if, if it was really emphasized that the ban would go both ways. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, and I mean, that was needed because what you said in the intro was really tough. Yeah, so. for sure. And uh, so back to your original question as well about why the federal government rejected the petition. Yeah. The argument at the time when the petition was presented in 2017 was that uh, it was largely the responsibility of the provinces and territories to regulate health practices. Mm -hmm. The problem is that professional and registered health organizations aren't the ones who are largely conducting this yeah. and they're certainly not doing yeah. it with the approval of groups again like the canadian psychological association um 
it's largely underground. And so the regulations for professional bodies are uh, jurisdiction of the provinces and territories. However, there's been some evolution on that position as we've come closer to the federal election. And now, um, again, with this letter coming forward, um, you've had MP Boissonneau, who's been talking about the government wants to move towards um, protecting people from conversion therapy with amendments to the criminal code. And what they're looking for is partnership from the provincial justice ministers to look at the options to be able to do that and to get it enshrined into law within a couple of years. Okay. And so, so yeah, so at their... Um, that is some nice evolution because I was kind of shocked when you sent me that article and it said, you know, Ottawa doesn't want to do that. And I thought, say what? That doesn't seem like what we were talking about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So there has been change over the last couple of years and uh, an election and an opportunity to paint the conservatives as backwater rednecks. <laughs> it's too, it's too good they... to pass up. It's too good to pass up, especially when you've got your own scandals. So <laughs> so if you wanted to get into the first part of the response from Justice Minister Schweitzer. Okay, this is from the minister's letter. It says, thank you for your letter of June 21st, 2019 regarding conversion therapy. The government of Alberta shares the federal government's concern for vulnerable populations, including LGBTQ2 plus youth. We would welcome the opportunity to collaborate on specific proposals to ensure Albertans and Canadians are safe from coercive, quote, therapeutic, unquote, practices like conversion therapy, which is already banned by all relevant professional licensing bodies in Alberta. So be that as it may, now let's get into our first topic, which is uh, municipalities are deciding to take matters into their own hands. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I, we're both completely butchering this agenda, um, but it is relevant. Uh, so under the former NDP Alberta government, there was a conversion therapy working group that was constituted. And that was being led by my MLA, uh, Castle Downs MLA, Nicole Goring. Mm -hmm. And that group was disbanded, which we will talk about a little bit later when the new government came in. Um, but when that group was disbanded, some municipalities took that as a signal that the UCP government had no interest in visiting this, this issue. And so it started in St. Albert. Um, they were the first that we know of municipality in Alberta that took a look at passing a motion and examining a bylaw that would outlaw the practice um, of conversion therapy within the city limits. Largely, this is symbolic because, again, where and when this is occurring is largely underground and there aren't people that are out there, um, well, there's not many groups or organizations. There is one in Calgary called Living Waters um, that is offering this. Um, but uh, there aren't many that are doing it explicitly like that. And uh, so it, it was largely symbolic, but there are some tools and mechanisms that the municipalities are looking at that will help them if it comes to light that there is an organization that is conducting this type of therapy. 
um, quote unquote and, therapy. And one thing that, uh, if I can interject, is the survivor stories that I read online. Uh, one of the problems is that that these groups, such as Living Waters, are not using phrases like conversion therapy. They're using phrases like sexual healing, reaching sexual wholeness, repairing sexual brokenness. These are these are kind of ways of getting around something that is essentially a a forced conversion program mm -hmm. or or repression really forced conversion forced repression absolutely yeah and uh so what they're looking to do is they're looking to um if if there's an organization that it comes to their attention is offering or conducting this uh, practice in the municipality things that they could do is they could remove a business license from them um, they could fine them uh, under the um, basically banned business practices within the city so and uh, so that was passed unanimously in St. Albert. Um, we have uh, since then, Spruce Grove had a motion introduced and they have directed their administration to look at options for how they could ban it through a bylaw. Um, Edmonton just recently had a council uh, committee meeting uh, and I believe it was the city council's executive committee that looked at this and they voted unanimously to proceed with looking at a bylaw that would ban the practice and would include fines up to $100,000 mm -hmm. for the practice being conducted in city limits. And so that is going forward. Yeah, one of the reasons why, and and this is where the feds kind of come back into this, is that without an actual criminal code offense or um you know regulation law it's not a criminal offense to con to perform conversion therapy like counseling so with with edmonton's um when they got into this using it as a bylaw that was one way for them to say there is something that we can do about it but but it does, in my mind, it absolutely goes back to the feds because it's not a crime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And these bylaws may wind up facing charter challenges, um, but it'll be interesting to see how that mets out because, um, and sorry, I stand corrected, in Edmonton, it was the City Council's Community and Public Services Committee that okay. um, agreed to draft a bylaw that would prohibit licensing practice and promotion of conversion therapy. Um, and it was a fairly contentious committee meeting. Um, there were some members of religious groups that actually came out and spoke pretty forcefully about why this shouldn't happen. Um, there was a person named Jojo Ruba who works in various Christian ministries. Um, and they their argument was that it amounted to an attack on religious beliefs about heterosexuality. And there was another person who was a representative of a Baptist ministry as well that was there. And uh, it got quite contentious, um, the debate back and forth. There was also the Dr. Christopher Wells, who is a fairly well-known 
um, LGBTQ2S advocate that presented evidence and the director of the Institute for Sexual Minorities in the University of Alberta, Dr. Gwyneth Weeb, um, was also there uh, to present. And uh, so ultimately that committee decided to proceed with um, making a recommendation to the wider council that a uh, bylaw be drafted. And uh, so that's going to proceed forward. So you've now got um, a total of three municipalities in Alberta who have passed motions to draft a bylaw. Uh, it's rumored that Rocky Mountain House is also going to have a motion presented at one of their next council meetings. And so this is starting to pick up some steam. I know in Calgary that city councillors Drew Farrell and John Carlo Carra are also working together their two offices to look at what options they may have to bring forward a motion to the Calgary City Council. Oh, that's awesome. No. Yeah. So it's largely symbolic, but it is sending a message to the federal government and to the provincial government that it is important and that they do want to see action taken. And probably most importantly to the organizations that are carrying this out, that it isn't an acceptable practice. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Well, then back to Schweitzer's letter. He says, as changes to the criminal law are solely within the federal jurisdiction, the power to amend the criminal code lies with the federal government. While the federal government has not presented us with any proposals for changes to the criminal code, we would welcome the opportunity to examine any proposals the federal government puts forward to criminalize conversion therapy. So, and, and then I took it back to what was that original federal petition? Uh, so, again, the federal petition um, was from Devin Hargreaves, who we had talked about earlier, um, and he is part of a group in Lethbridge, um, and I believe the name is Y Queer L, um, which is kind of a play on uh, Y QL, which is um, <laughs> their airport name. Or their their airport airport. name. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he had organized a petition and just going off the top of my head, I think it started in around 2016. And he collected a bunch of signatures. Um, and when he had what he thought was an adequate number um, or the number that would be required to present it in the House of Commons, it was presented in February 1st by NDP MP for Saskatoon West, Sherry Benson, um, in the House of Commons. And so the government did respond to that petition because it was tabled in the House of Commons. There was a total of 18,000 names signed to wow. the petition asking for it to be banned. Um, they did say that the governance of conversion therapy is largely a provincial and territorial issue since it is sometimes carried out by members of the health profession and said the practice can be addressed through existing portions of the criminal code. Certain criminal code offenses may apply to situations involving conversion therapy, depending upon the circumstances read their federal government statement. For example, criminal code offenses such as kidnapping, forcible confinement, and assault may apply where a person is forcibly compelled to undergo conversion therapy. We continue to work with provincial and territorial governments to address these practices. So as you can tell from just even their response, quite how barbaric the practice is and the fact that they 
themselves consider all these different areas that uh, conversion therapy would potentially be in conflict with, including kidnapping, forcible confinement, and assault. And now, I mean, this is actually, I, I wish that I had, that I had it on me, but maybe you'll remember it. Uh, this sounds very familiar to me in that, um, is there not this, this sounds familiar where people were saying that the, that the, that something surrounding, uh, a, uh, something that should be law while everything around it is currently criminalized. So we have that, we have that availability for enforcement. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Not off the top of my head. No. Okay. Uh, sometimes I go down rabbit holes and so <laughs> I, you know, found one day where I was like, oh, that totally makes sense. But, but it kind of sounds to me in a way like a little bit of a cop out saying, well, there's, there's all of these things around conversion therapy that, that are against the law, such as being against, or sorry, such as not being uh, condoned by a professional organization. But all that means is that someone who is a member in good standing with that organization can't be performing it, right? That, yeah. does, that doesn't uh, apply to the rest of us. Yeah, no, that's, it's totally true. And, and that's the challenge with this is it's the margins that are the problem, right? It's not the mainstream. And there's a ton of anecdotal and firsthand evidence of people having gone through these. And if you just type in conversion therapy Canada, and you, again, you can find a ton of firsthand accounts of people that have been subjected to it. And there's also actually a, a movie that was made called Boy Erased, um, which actually starred Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman and some other um, notable actors and musicians that kind of covered this. And it's the story of a boy who was subjected to conversion therapy. And so if you're interested in learning more, then that would be a really good thing to a uh, really good movie to watch as well to kind of get a bit of an account of what somebody who goes through this experience is. So probably not one that I could watch myself. So back to his letter, as members of the government have stated many times, the government of Alberta has been clear that we oppose and condemn conversion therapy. We support other provinces who have joined us in speaking out against conversion therapy, which is pro a prohibited practice and cannot be provided by any regulated health professional in Alberta. So now I thought that was a good segue into the uh, conversion therapy working group. Yes, yeah, so as mentioned before, uh, Edmonton Castledown's MLA Nicole Goring had been appointed by Premier Rachel Notley under the NDP government to chair a working group, which included the Institute for Sexual Minorities uh, Executive Director Glynis Leib and other advocates in the city of Edmonton. And they were looking at the practice of conversion therapy in Alberta and what steps might be taken from a provincial perspective to be able to ban the practice. Unfortunately, because that group wasn't constituted via uh, a ministerial order, uh, effectively, and this is a technicality, but effectively their mandate ended when the new government came into power. Mm -hmm. 
And so they continued their work for a short period of time after the election, but uh, Health Minister Tyler Shandro uh, was approached and asked about continuing the work of the group. And he was told that, uh, he told everybody that in due course, he would meet with them and in due course, he would answer their questions. And in due course, the government would be looking at this. And uh, so it's arrived. (laughs) Not yet. Um, (laughs) So that working group, the decision to disband it and stop providing support for it was held up. And so they are no longer formally conducting that work. Um, He has said that if they wish to do so on their own time, he would be happy to take a look at any recommendations that they had, but that they would have to do that using their own time of resources. So. Well, and that, and, and he had a, he had a bit of a spat with Edmonton journal reporter, Emma Graney about that. Do you remember it was she had called the office and the office said that the group no longer existed because of the changing government. And Shandro said, that's not what the office said. And Emma Grady replied, yes, it is. (laughs) Do you have something else to add to that? Because this is all I have. And it was actually, um, well, it was one of those, it was one of those episodes that just seemed to be strong arming the media in a way to discredit what they were saying. A hundred percent. And even that media availability in a scrum following the disbandment, um, we should actually maybe drop the audio in here. Um, So I'll play the audio of that scrum here. Okay. And you guys can hear his response to the questions after he announced that the group would be disbanded. Yeah, she has some questions for me, and I look forward to being able to get back to her in due course. Yeah. Do you have a timeline, though? I mean, she has some questions for me, and I look forward to getting back to her in due course. So you're going to answer some questions. Is that what you're saying? And then you will make a decision? or what's Answer her questions, yeah, in due course. Or do you have a deadline for yourself as to when you're going to make a decision on this? No, I, I, I um, had a great meeting with uh, both Dr. Lieb and uh, with um, the member for Edmonton Castle Downs. Um, they had questions for me, and I look forward to getting back to them in due course. I had a number of questions uh, for me from uh, from both Dr. Lieb and uh, from the, the member from Castle Downs uh, and look forward to being able to get back to them in due course. When you say in due course, what do you mean by that? Um, that in due course I will be getting back to them uh, to be able to answer their questions. This is a really simple question, question Minister. Like, come on. Like, what, what, what deadline have you set for yourself to get back to these people? to do these people for answers on this? I had a number of questions uh, for me from uh, both the member for Edmonton Castle Downs and uh, from Dr. Lieb, and I look forward forward to being able to get back to them in due course. I look forward to getting back to them in due course. This looks really silly. You're giving us talking points, and we're asking a very straightforward question about deadlines. So when are you going to get back to them? What does in due course mean? I uh, look forward to getting back to them in due course. And uh, so, yeah, there there was some controversy and, and it certainly looked like the UCP was furthering that kind of narrative of the media's out to get them. Um, and obviously a clear example of a, a rookie minister who isn't very comfortable with the media and answering questions there. 
well and that just might be that might have nothing to do with the fact that it's a rookie MLA just he didn't want to answer those questions yeah yeah, yeah. totally but usually cabinet ministers are a little bit smoother with the spin or <laughs> <laughs> pivoting to an issue they do want to talk about that's true that's true yeah. uh, and is that is that everything that you have at the moment for the working group yeah, so far there's been no other information or updates as to whether or not they're continuing their work, but that the disbandment of that group is kind of what precipitated these municipalities starting to take action and is also around the time that you started to see some federal action from the Justice Minister, David Lametti, the Health Minister, Jeanette Pettipaw-Taylor, and uh, Edmonton Centre MP, and the LGBTQ2 advisor, uh, Randy Boissonneau. So um, while it's a negative thing that that group, in my mind, was disbanded and weren't allowed to complete their work. I think that it became a catalyst for some of the municipalities and for the federal government to speak up and start acting. Right. Okay. So that's good. Okay. So back to uh, Schweitzer's letter. He says, furthermore, under the Alberta Human Rights Act, advertising a commercial service that discriminates on the basis of sexual orientation, gender expression, or gender identity is also prohibited. The totality of these measures constitutes a complete legal ban on the practice of conversion therapy in Alberta, legally equivalent in scope and effect to the bans in other provinces. The government of Alberta takes the enforcement of any prohibited practice very seriously, and has made it very clear that any practice of conversion therapy in Alberta should be taken to the proper authorities. This, that was, I think it was that, uh, it was that paragraph that actually made me say, let's make this entire thing part of the podcast, because the problem, as we've already brought up, is that conversion therapy is not taking place in public. They're not advertising it as conversion therapy. They're not calling it conversion therapy. So where is, and I've, and I've read some things as well, conversion therapy is taking place. It's taking place, uh, you know, right under the government's nose. There is, um, like, to, to the best of your knowledge, where is conversion ther therapy taking place? So... It's largely being driven by religious communities who have religious objections to homosexuality. Um, there is quite a bit of evidence of it occurring in southern Alberta, in some of the religious um, religious communities, I'll say, um, which were largely founded by the Latter-day Saints Church. Um, I know that that church has made quite a bit of progress in the past decade or so towards being more inclusive and have made some fairly significant statements in terms of making LGBTQ2 people feel welcome in the church and accepting them. Um, but particularly in some areas of southern Alberta, there are more fundamental uh, groups and sects of that church um, that are believed to be practicing this. 
there is also a group that is based out of Calgary, um, and they were previously known as Living Waters, but I believe now they go by Journey Canada. And they have been openly practicing conversion therapy, um, but again, kind of using that coded language of um, fixing your sexual brokenness and becoming sexually whole again. And that's all really kind of coded language for making people feel guilt for their sexuality. And basically the intended outcome is to, through the use of uh, religious preaching and um, counseling to have you repress that sexuality and to basically just not act on your sexual attractions and it's been shown that when this does happen that it does fairly significant psychological harm to people um in the long run oh absolutely and i mean this is this is actually something that i addressed in a podcast i didn't release uh where i was talking about soji one two three and the thing, you know, that I that I picked up on with gender ideology and and even sexual ideology is that probably the most harmful thing that we have right now is that is is a traditional ideology of girls act this way, girls look this way, girls do these things, and boys do something else. Mm-hmm. And any crossover between them. Uh, resulted in uh, resulted in things like bullying and and you know all of these bad things that we've now identified as being uh, discriminatory or harmful. It like I'm I think that the most dangerous ideologies that we have right now are actually ones that come from very traditional places where people say these are what we should be looking at. But I think those are very damaging because not everyone fits inside of that box. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing to argue with there. It, uh, <laughs> it just, you, you can only be told that you're flawed or broken so long before you actually start to, um internalize that and it almost becomes like self-fulfilling right and i want to kind of touch on the content of this paragraph as well and why for me it's problematic is that lots of times conversion therapy is administered again by these religious groups and more often than not it's not administered to consenting adults and while the psychologist association doesn't endorse conversion therapy for people of any age because they see it as being psychologically damaging Mm -hmm. it's one thing for a consenting adult who wants to explore i don't think it should be an option because um but i digress more often than not, it's youth who have expressed an interest in or an attraction to same-sex 
or youth who have indicated that perhaps they have some sort of gender dysphoria or a feeling that they may not match the gender they were born with Mm -hmm. that are then taken to conversion therapy to try and quote unquote fix them. And so the problem with, in my view, this spiel about the Alberta Human Rights Act and there being an effective ban is that this is occurring in the margins and it's people who are vulnerable that are being subjected to it. And if you're a six-year-old girl who says that you like girls and your parents take you to conversion therapy camp, you don't have the wherewithal or the experience or maturity or resources to make a complaint under the Alberta Human Rights Act, right? right? And when someone is undergoing psychological torture, a complaint under the Alberta Human Rights Act is something that is reactive, it's not proactive, and it doesn't undo the damage that's been done. And I think that in the long run, people are going to see this for what it is and that at some point or another the religious right is going to have to reconcile their actions and their stance on homosexuality with the damage that it's doing to people's mental health and the fact that for some people this has led them down the path towards self-harm and suicide. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of things in our society probably going to wind up being resolved judicially because most times when there's a conflict between two rights, that's where it winds up. And I'm very, very confident that eventually this will be in the criminal code and that it will be outlawed. But unfortunately, it's just not moving as fast as it needs to. And there are a lot of people whose lives are going to be broken or ended before this winds up where it needs to be. Okay. And I'm just looking up right now. Um, There was uh, last year, it was last September. And, you know, again, this kind of goes to the fact that that people have certain beliefs and they espouse they espouse those beliefs especially in something like a church um because that's the way that things are always done there was um there was a 14 year old gay girl she committed suicide it was in england and this was like i said last september um she did so because she took her own life because she did not believe she would be accepted at her church as a gay Christian. So uh, this was something actually in, in a few of the things that I read that this was kind of a common theme that, that the teachings start, especially if, if you're very active within a church, that these, these begin when you're very, very young, you're six, you're seven years old. And, to be to have that rhetoric uh, constantly, you know, pushed upon you. And the thing is, you know, I'll 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 absolutely 
you know, um, offer to absolve in some ways, but they, they don't realize what this is doing. But this particular church, uh, because she was open about why she had committed suicide, um, her church... Her church actually went on the record. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so her church decided uh, that they were going to stop talking the way that they had, that that they would now be open to gay members and be supportive of gay relationships. And, you know, it's it's so unfortunate that that's what it takes, that it, that it, that it takes, you know, a young person and a young person who was raised in the church to, to do something like that. And, um, I remember reading that last year and it was, it was tough, you know, it was, it was tough to read that. And these are, like I said, some of the survivor stories, if you, if you Google them, um, they're very, they're very similar. They talk about how this, this is, um, this is a narrative that they were raised with, and so even at fourteen, even though this young girl had never been into uh, quote unquote conversion therapy, she was taught from the time that she could remember uh, that this was wrong, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. um, you know it. Uh, it definitely had an effect on the church, which is fantastic. But this isn't something that, you know, that people even necessarily have to go in search of. It's yeah. it's just readily available. Um, it's it's something that that people say. Yep. In certain circles. Yeah, no. And uh, I, myself personally, I've never been subjected to conversion therapy, but I know what it's like to grow up um, your entire life being told that you're inherently flawed and that you're wrong. Right. And uh, it's, um, it's something that damages you for life. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Oh, we got pretty this, deep. I knew this was going to be hard. That's, a, uh... that's what she said. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. <laughs> Throw in some more Michael Scott for you. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> um, so it, it ends, uh, Schweitzer's letter ends with, thank you again for your letter. The government of Alberta looks forward to working with the federal government to protect Albertans and Canadians by supporting them with a justice system where they feel safe, secure, and protected in their communities. We look forward to reviewing your planned criminal code amendments when you present them. And, you know, reading this letter on your first perusal through it, it might seem that, okay, you know, it's, it's definitely something that is coming out uh, and, and showing us where the government stands. But I hope that we have kind of outlined some of the holes in that, because this is, this is not something that is uh, easily addressed or, or the problems removed simply by saying well, we're against this, yeah. Because it because it's not stopping. That's the thing. It is currently going on under the government's nose, under under the authorities' nose. It is going on. So, 
that needs to be addri properly addressed. Yeah, and you know, having some more time to reflect and looking through this letter and talking about it, there is definitely some gray area and it's pretty clear that they're trying to walk both sides of this line. Mm -hmm. But I will also say that I think that if you were to take that and show it to some of the more fundamentalist UCP supporters, particularly the groups on the religious right that helped Kenny to win the leadership, mm -hmm. they would be pretty upset upset that the government had taken that kind of stand and used that kind of language in that letter. And so it's, in my view, probably the most unequivocal we've seen the UCP or any of its ministers be in terms of their opposition to the practice. And I know there's purists out there who will say that they're not doing enough or that if it's not a pure and complete ban that it's not good enough but i'm kind of of the view that we need progress over perfection and any steps that they make towards supporting these bans and being supportive of the community are positive and while it doesn't absolve the harm that they've done i'll still be happy to see any sort of progress towards being true actual allies I agree. That was very wonderfully put. Okay. So our next episode is going to look at uh, the review panels that the UCP has appointed. And what's the title for that one? Uh, oh, that panel is You Got It, The Right Stuff. All right. We will see you guys again soon. You can find political R&D podcasts, blogs, and our social media tags on our website at politicalrnd.ca. Goodbye, Robbie. Goodbye, Deirdre. <laughs>